Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again ahead of round seven. And with me once again, ever-reliable Billy is back on board. Billy, better week this past week or, or down in the dump still? Uh, a little bit better, mate. Bit of a pick-me-up, but um, need a lot more of a turnaround to catch up, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, I had a really good week, actually. I got close to 1,200. So um, for the week scores, it was actually... Oh, sweet. Yeah, it was actually really good for the week. Um, I think it's... One of those things which we were talking about a little bit earlier where I'm really surprised at the sort of swings that there are at this point of the season. I spoke to Wilfred about this earlier when we were having a chat too. The um, the swings like this, the amount of places that you're going up and going down each week, it's sort of what you see the first month of the season, but it isn't normally what you see by round seven because normally things aren't as tight where you're having those mass drops or mass, mass pickups in places, and that's just... Unheard of for round, for sort of round six, round seven, and it's still happening. So it's good because I think that it really um, makes it an interesting season, and it means that I don't think people should lose hope because you know, I, I dropped like nine thousand spots last the week before last. I had a shocker, and I dropped like nine thousand spots, and I picked them all back up again a week later, and it was just that easy. So uh, yeah, it just I don't know if you've noticed it, but it just seems to be a lot more swings at the moment. Yeah, that's because a lot of the um, a lot of the teams are sort, of, are sort of bunched together. Like you were saying, mate, you, you drop um, five thousand spots, but you you don't realise you're only sort of a hundred points back. And then um, you know, one, one, one or two wingers sort of make an extra thirty or forty points, and all of a sudden you're right back where you were. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm pretty happy with where I'm placed now. I'm, with the way it's going, I'm pretty confident that you can sort of pick up enough spots to to get right back up there. But one of the interesting things with this round before we get into TLT, uh, and this is kind of good for a little bit of a strategy segue, this week's a, a shocker. Like, it's, it's shaped up as pure carnage. We've got a lot of players out. There's big-name players uh, like Travojevic, who's now out for eight-plus weeks. Twelve was a popular super coach player that's been really reliable, who's gone as well. Uh, guys like Osako are being dropped to the interchange bench. Um, then we've got popular players like Bradman Best and Katoa gone, and a, a slew of others. If you have a look at all the forums and everything, even the best super coaches are struggling to put together a really strong 17 this week. And there seems to be a real, I think, difference in opinion on, on how to handle the week. Like I've seen probably more more often than not a lot of coaches saying they're just going to write it off as a bad week. Now, maybe I'm crazy with this, but I, I sort of looked at it as a really big opportunity. Like I'm looking at this week as you beauty, all these teams are screwed. I'm going to go hammer and tongs for points this week. I don't care about making cash. I don't care about anything. I, even if I've got to trade someone in for for a couple of weeks and then get rid of them straight away, or even a week rental, which is what I'm thinking about with Brett Morris, for example, if he ends up named at fullback, maybe a week rental for Teddy, and I'll get Teddy back in a couple of weeks. Crazy thoughts, you know, past seasons, but this is round seven, which means we're only three weeks off half the halfway point, and we've got these massive swings already. If we've got a, a week where most teams are going to be down in the dumps and just sort of going to throw the towel in for the week on points, oh, I want to take advantage of that. So I'm going to go hardcore to try and score as much as I can. Yeah, same. 
couple of weeks ago, it was probably a good example. You know, when when Teddy had that really really high break even, and people decided to buy him anyway, and he, and he went he went a huge time. There's there's weeks where you just got to do it. Actually, I kind of think you got to do it every week throughout the season, but it's just a matter of balancing your cash wherever you can. So, yeah, hundred percent, mate. I'd probably a good week to sort of get a decent payout this for a decent back and um, play someone like um, Nofo over over a bump. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm going to be doing it for sure. I'll, I'll be getting in two guns and just bypassing some of the cheapies that we're going to talk about. But you know, it depends on your team setup and everything as well. You know, it is sort of getting towards that halfway point. It is only a twenty round season, so you need to think about that when you're looking at your points and everything. Uh, let's get into TLT. The first game of the round that will probably be known as Carnage Round by the time it's over is the Rabbits and the Panthers. So. Supercoach news for Panthers, there's not very many teams like these guys. They've got no changes at all, so that's pretty straightforward. For the Rabbitohs, they've got James Roberts coming into the 17. He's on the uh, interchange bench, so that's going to be interesting. Start off with South since they've got the changes, Billy. I am starting to think with that naming of Roberts on the interchange bench that it's going to be very similar to... Prior to when Roberts went down, where he's carrying like an Alex Johnston um, on the interchange bench, and he was either spelling Latrell or Braden Burns. It doesn't look like he'd, he'd spell Latrell at this point, but maybe Braden Burns. He comes on for him. Like, how are you sort of reading that team list for the South Sydney Rabbitohs? Do you really think he's going to start on the bench and come on, or do you, do you reckon he'll be just like a, a, a late inclusion? Someone gets axed, more likely. Well, it's really hard because I mean they've got a really good backline. Like, Alex Johnson's probably the man that'll be axed, but I'm pretty sure most of these weeks, or well, all of these weeks for this season, there's been a back on the bench. I don't think, I don't think Bennett's gone with a four-foot bench at all. Yeah, okay, I didn't realise that. Um, if, if it wasn't the cook being up, you'd be looking for sort of value in the, in, in the forwards there too, but yeah, I, I don't know, mate. At, at the very least, I think Latrell's probably the only one in that team that's real sort of value, and you know he's not going to be rested now. So it's probably a matter of, where he sort of fits in the back line, but I don't think anyone really kind of owns Burns this year, so it's probably not too much of a concern for anyone. Yeah, not particularly. I mean, it would be, as a non-Latrell owner, with a lot of people jumping on him, it would be gold if uh, if he got rested at the 60th minute mark, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think it'll actually be Burns that comes off and Roberts goes on. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, with the amount of cards that's happened this round, it wouldn't surprise me if another spanner like that just decided to sob up. Well... Mitchell's close to 600k now. He's still only got a um, high 20s BE, so he's still someone who, that people are bringing in. The Panthers looked really good last week. Uh, they played exceptional football against the Storm, deserved the win, uh, and the Storm weren't putting points on very easily. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure about Latrell this week. I don't. If I didn't own Latrell, I wouldn't be bringing him in this week, and I think I'd be waiting. Yeah, I wouldn't be bringing him in either. Um, not, not for this week. Um, last week was the time to do it. Didn't have a massive score, but it was a decent, decent enough size for uh, a block available at center three quarter. This week, you're probably looking at well, ideally someone from Broncos, but uh, go and try to find one in that team. Um, <laughs> second is probably no photos of the dogs. So, yeah, I can't really see him one of the rabbits. You, you would want to bring in um, specifically for this week anyway. Towards 71 against the Warriors on the weekend. I do have to say though, talking about that game, he got the, he got the worst try assist line break assist. Like, he shuffled the ball to Campbell Graham, who didn't even make a break down that side. He actually stepped back inside to find space for himself, 
beat four players, literally four players, to make a break through the line that it's still formed. So how that's a try assist, I don't know. There's there's halfbacks that, you know, I remember Luai a couple of weeks ago giving the ball to kick out, full head of steam 20 metres out, and kick out barging over two or three players and scoring. And Luai didn't even get a try contribution. And Latrell's got a, you know, try assist, line break assist, and Campbell Graham's had to do everything. Look, let's talk about superstar points. Sound like a bit of non non Latrell owner, mate. <laughs> Uh, I know what you're saying. Um, I kind of disagree a little. Um, I, I, know, I know where you're coming from. I think the difference is um, kick up walking over the top of four defenders is a little bit different from uh, Latrell actually showing a, a ball out to a guy who actually had a clear line in front of him. Yeah, he had to come inside a little bit, but would have done it without him. So you know, you've got to pay that. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I mean, I'd give him a try contribution. I think mean, that's exactly what try contributions are there for, for someone who contributes by doing something towards a try, but it isn't a full assist to the guy that scored. So, I mean, it's he's been given it. Um, I guess my point is that if that was another player, he would have scored low 50s because there's no way he would have got those points. So, either way, he still scored 71, 112, and 71 the last three weeks. So, he's got a three-round average of 85, which is very good. Um, I think he'll be scoring a little bit less this game, though, against the Panthers. One guy that... I'm more interested in is Damien Cook, who we've spoken about for a couple of weeks. He's coming off 108 points against the Warriors. He scored a try and a line break in that, but he also got an assist, and he looked like he was attacking really well. Now, Panthers have got pretty good defence. They're they're playing pretty well, but Cook's down to a 41 BE at 605k. He's someone that I'm definitely targeting in the next fortnight. I've got my little shortlist. I don't think that I'm going to bring him in this week. Um, but next week he plays the Canterbury Bulldogs, his old club, and I've I've got to bring him in for that one. And he hits the Bulldogs and the Tigers in back-to-back weeks. So I think he's primed for them, but it's a nice little segue into the hooker that he's going against, Billy, Appy Corusier. Now, I, I've sort of thought that I would get rid of Corusier, but he's come out and scored 76 points last week, uh, had an absolute blinder, and all of a sudden looks fantastic again with a 40s BE, so he's still going to make a bit more cash. And now he's got Souths, Tigers, Sharks, Cowboys, Titans, and then an understrength manly side, um, you know, in his next sort of six weeks of football. With that run, I'm actually now looking at maybe selling um, Grant early next week and going for an Appy Cook run. Uh, and that, that looks like a pretty good uh, hooker strategy, I reckon, for the end of the season, the two hookers that are going head-to-head in this one. Yeah, I was just about to say the same thing, mate. With Appy, with Appy's run, you've got to sort of go Grant, but the way he, the way he's going, um, you, you would either have to cut him early or the way he's going, maybe just hold on to him. I mean, I know he was um, playing a bit of a, a uh, lower sort of lower down the order sort of team last week, but you can't dispute 91 from a rookie in his what his third game or something. Yeah, he's he's just an absolute machine. Yeah, but Cook on the other hand can do 130 versus the dog, so. Yeah, it's um, one game you might want to sort of consider getting him in for. Bit of a segue to another South Garden, Cam Murray. Um, I've sort of discussed with a few people offline. I don't think we've spoken about his minutes too much on the podcast. But in the last couple of weeks um, in the Jersey 13 since he's moved across, um, it was a little bit of a concern because his first week was 59 minutes. His second week was 52 minutes. And I kind of said to a couple of people, oh, well, you know, that's not going to be enough minutes. And I think we mean you actually did discuss it on the podcast last week. He went back up to 60 minutes um, on the weekend and scored 68 points, albeit with a line break try assist. But 60 minutes is a lot better to see. 
He's now under 600k, 88 BE, so you wouldn't bring him in this week. He hits the dogs next week, though. Um, so 60 minutes seems like enough. Yeah, so Cam Murray shapes as a, as a potential buy. If not at the moment, then, then definitely next week is a consideration. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. The only, the only caveat there is um, he's only going to fire if um, what you call it, Cook does, because Cook's going to be the one that's feeding him all. So I'd probably rather go the safer route in, in Cook. You've um, probably got... Um, and plus, he's still only playing 60 minutes, whereas, sorry, he's not playing as much in the middle, and that's where his points were coming from. So, I'd probably rather go the safer route with Cook and probably find someone else in the sort of Broncos. I would actually much rather someone in the Broncos pack, like, um, uh, to be the pen guy if he could, if he could promise he wasn't going to knock anyone out. <laughs> Asking for a lot there. It's a fair call. I mean, there is quite a few good second rowers now. I mean, you've got the Madisons, the Lolos, the Angus Crichtons. Um, there's, there's the McInneses, there's quite a few second row options at the moment that are really premium ones. Talking about options at the moment to trade in that are coming juicy, uh, Nathan Cleary, he's 615k, he's got a break even of 102, but in saying that, against the Storm last week, he scored 76 points, that was way better than the 39 points he scored against Power. He looked a lot better. Uh, I, I thought that he was looking good and he was looking primed. I know quite a few smart super coaches are actually looking at him this week. If you're looking at points, um, even though he's got the 102 BE, there's quite a few people that think he could put a lot of points on Souths, and I'm pretty sure that number sevens have done quite well against him recently. Yeah, it's, I would only make that trade if you were, if you had like a significant gap at seven or, or six, and you were trying to trying to plug a gap. So, for instance. If you were trying to make a, if you already had someone like Munster and you were trying to plug a, a gap between possibly what Drinkwater was would score versus Cleary, then 100, I'd probably sort of make that make that trade if you had no other pressing sort of issues elsewhere. But yeah, if you were going for points and a halves, I would 100 be sort of taking Munster this week and then holding on to Cleary for next week or the week after. Yep. Fair call. I do like Cleary this week against South. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets that 100. I mean, the other thing that I like about him against South, um, I I think that Panthers are going to win this, and I think they're going to win quite well. I have a lot more faith in them backing up last week than what I do the Rabbits coming off a Warriors win. If he's going to score, you know, over 100, uh, which Cleary's shown that he can have those big scores, he's the first game up, so he's a very easy VC option as well. Yeah, you know, he can go big. He's had a couple of massive ones before. Just got to pick that one game he does it though, don't you? Yeah, I mean, do you think this is going to be one of them, or do you think it's going to be a bit closer? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think it'll be a bit sort of later, later in the year. Um, I think last year it was the last game of the season, wasn't it? He's got a lot more opportunity this year. Um, uh, now, now that he's two things, um, he's obviously the dominant guy, and, and Maloney's, Maloney's not there. He's got the goal kicking back. Um, he's probably he's a little bit, a little bit sort of healthier. Got some good forwards. Um, so I think there's a lot more opportunity for him to go go massive a couple of times this year. I just don't think this is the opposition to do it this week, that's all. Okay, fair enough. Well, he does play uh, the Titans shortly, so for that game in a couple of weeks, you've definitely got to get him in. The only kick-out is probably the other guy to mention running at those south edges. They've got Ethan Lowe and Sewer on either edge. Um, I... I can see Kikau going well. He's only, uh, I mean, he's only, he's 530k. He's sort of got those average scores in him with 52 and 44 the last couple of weeks. But if you owned him, this would be one of the weeks that you'd own him for. And I can 100% see, and we're going to get the obligatory sports bet shout out early that uh, value for Kikau at $4.50, I think he is. Any time try score against those South Sedges, I reckon he's going to go over for the owners as well. Well, I hope not. 
<laughs> he's frustrating to watch, mate. Because I, 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 I own Mansour, and I, I see, um, I see the, sh- I see the short ball go out to um, kick out on numerous occasions, and he just charges towards that line. He doesn't even look outside. Like he, just, he reminds me of um, Duke, and he's just got no interest in passing outside whatsoever. There was one game where um, I think, I think it was even last week where um, you can tell I'm sore. <laughs> Mansour was completely unmarked. Nah. Refuses to pass it straight over the top of defenders. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I would just like to see him use his size and maybe sort of get, get an offload away, or maybe maybe once once in the blue moon um, uh, uh, get a ball away before he hits the line. But no, nah, they just seem to go go left to him and just let him, let him charge the line. So yeah, good luck to him if you're owning. But I think he needs the ball a bit closer to the line because he seems to be getting held up a lot. Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm. I've already shown my hand on this one. There's no cheapies really in this one, and there's no huge changes to talk about. So we will move on. But I'm seeing the Panthers as, as 12 plus winners. I think they'll do South fairly easily, and I think they'll put 26 to 28 points on them as well. Oh, I reckon I reckon South give, give them like a couple of tries. Wow, you reckon that it's going to be the reverse? Be cool. We'll see on Thursday night. Oh, mate. They might they might have played well last week, but they're like Canberra. They've had some dog shit games. Panthers fans, I can hear them screaming now. <laughs> we'll move on to Storm Warriors. This one, we've got Josh Adokar coming back for the Storm. Jerome Hughes is back, which is probably going to help the Storm a little bit as well. The Warriors news, the big thing is that they've obviously dropped their coach, which uh, I bit two minds. Like I sent out a tweet that um, you know said that it's about time. Um, not really thinking about, yeah, okay, under the circumstances, it's pretty rough on him, but it, he, Kearney had to get sacked eventually, surely. He's just, any time in the last four or five years, he really could have lost his job. It's just unfortunate that it's happened during this whole pandemic move. Yeah, it was in- inevitable. Um, I think there's a couple of coaches who are inevitable, but we won't bang on about them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I've heard a couple of rumours as to why he was gone, but I'm not speculating. <laughs> I, I just look overdue, mate. He was, they've, had, they've had some poor results. They needed to do something. They've made a decision. Um, I'm sure he's not a bad bloke, but I tell you what, he's had a, he's had a lot of goes. Yeah, maybe time to move on. Do you think, um, from a super coach perspective, looking at impacts, and it's important because everything that happens in real life to a footy team is going to impact the super coach results. There's obviously two two ways that this can go. The, the team can galvanise and really, you know, put in and come out raging, and especially if they're angry about it, like Tohu Harris was saying, or they can completely drop their bundle, um, which not to um, make it a Kiwi thing, but certainly we've seen the Warriors do that many times before under adversity. They've just dropped their bundle completely and, and got 50 put on them. What side do you think this is going to go? Do you think it's going to be like them turning up lacklustre and not really putting in, or do you think... They're just going to come out hammer and tongs. Oh, I don't think so, mate. I, I've, I've, had, I've had coaches leave, leave before. It's never really had an impact at all. Like you, you don't go out on the field thinking, oh, "I've lost my coach. I'm not going to play as well today." When you're the same play you were the week before, if if anything, maybe it gives you a bit more opportunity to sort of play your own game plan rather than what structure you've been told to do. So, if anything, I reckon they go a bit better. How much better? I mean, Still comes down to ability. Not, have, not having a coach on the field with it, with it isn't going to make you play any better. Well, if anything, maybe they put a bit more effort in it to try and prove a point. Will it make? Will it add much value? I don't know. Uh, the big supercoach news for the Warriors is Elisa Katoa. Katoa, sorry, is um, is out of the clash. 
He put up 27 points in 54 minutes on the weekend. Got injured. Now, he's got a BE of around 30. He's almost at the 400k mark. Uh, I think that a lot of people have a lot of people to sell to get their two trades done this week, so they don't really need to sell someone like Katoa. But if you needed to sell someone like Katoa to get things done for the week, uh, is this a time that you could probably jump off him, or do you think that you should hold him and he's got some more rises left now? Well, I'd jump. I'd completely get rid of him, mate. Um, if, if, you, if you were, were going to hold him, you'd be holding him, hoping that he would have a couple of decent scores. Um, and then cashing him in. But there's no guarantee that. And someone doesn't have to be 170, 171k with a huge negative break even in order to make money. You can buy someone at you know, 600 or 400k that's got a negative sort of 20 break even or, or that's just got a good run of a couple of games you just uh, pick and flick to. So, yeah, just play the game where you just sort of keep trading left, right, and center. It doesn't You don't have to stick with one person. Just keep following the points. Yep. Well, on the opposite side, there is a big sell, and he's one of the more traded-out players uh, early days, but he's still getting traded out in a frenzy, as he was last week, and that's Ryan Pappenhausen. Now, he lost $37,000 from last week's performance, which was a pitiful 33. Really didn't reward coaches that kept him. I sold him prior to last week, so I was very happy. But he's now dropped 65 k on his starting price, which we both thought was huge value. Coming up against the Warriors, what what do you do with Ryan Pappenhausen this week? Do you hold him for this Warriors matchup, um, knowing that you know he's got a big BE and he's going to drop more money potentially, or do you just you just hold him and play him because it's a great matchup? Oh, I think you have to hold him this week purely because it's the Warriors, and if you, if you're gonna, he's one of the few pods left because he hasn't fired yet, so. Got to, got to, well, you would think a reasonably or an easier game than what he's usually had to maybe get some points and catch up. Also, given all the catastrophes that ev- that everyone's sort of going through this week, the feeling of 17 is probably the least of your concerns. If there wasn't such a, um, a dire need for fielding a full strength 17 with all the ins and outs for this week, you probably would have been a decent, a decent sort of cut to Ponga this week. Um, but that's probably reserved for people that probably have more more a problem with uh, Turbo, I think. Yeah, that's a really good trade. Like, if you don't own Ponga, despite the fact that Pappenhausen's going up against the Warriors this week, I'd be I'd be cutting bait on that unless you don't have 17 to start. Like, I'd, I'd be pulling that trigger for sure. Ponga is a straight-out captaincy this week against the Cowboys, which we'll get to. But yeah, Pappenhausen, after this week, like, even if he scores well, like say he scores like a 75, he's still going to drop like 15 grand and he plays the Roosters the next week and then the Raiders the week after. So they don't have a great run the two weeks after this Warriors game. Um, so it, it's probably going to be poor scores from him the two weeks after this anyway. So if you can get to Ponga, I think that you should be doing that for sure instead of playing him. Yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned about um, the Raiders, but we talked about this last week when I said chuck their captaincy on on um, Turbo, he was on 76 at half time before he did before he did that did that injury. So I know he's no he's no sort of um, Turbo, he's no Ponga either. But you know, Ponga and Teddy Ponga and Turbo both combined for decent sized scores against the Raiders, and they had a they have they've had a couple out of shockers as well. So I would I wouldn't be putting the Raiders in that um, defensive category that we probably had them at the beginning of the year. So if you revise that, it's probably easier game this week. 
it's going to be tough next week, but then Raiders and then I think it's the Broncos after that. So it's probably three out of four. It's probably half decent matchup. So don't be too fearful of getting back. Cameron Munster's the other big name Melbourne Storm player for this week, and he was someone I had my eye on last week because he had a BE of 88, and I was hoping he was going to throw out a 40 and he's going to drop uh, below the 600k mark and be really good value. Instead, he went up to 630k because he scored 105 points against the Panthers in a losing side. Uh, it played really well, had a couple of really good try assists. Against this Warriors side this week, uh, this might be the time to trade him in. He's 630k, still has a BE around 70, but you know, I, I'm in two minds about this, Billy, so you need to set me straight on it because Kevin Munster is somebody I'm thinking about. I'm someone who brought in Cameron Munster last year for a Warriors clash and put the captaincy straight on him and he threw up 40 points and it just absolutely killed me. And I think I got three games of 40 points out of him before I just got rid of him and he threw up a massive score against someone good after that. So is it going to be that type of Cameron Munster performance that turns up or do you think that he's just going to put them to the sword and he's going to have one of his potential 130 plus sort of games against the Warriors this week? Well, I bought him and I put the VC on him. I would not put the C straight out on him because he's got way too many 40s and 45s in him. But yeah, if, um, this this is one of the weeks where he potentially go 100 plus. And he might look. He might not score 130, 140, but don't be too disheartened by that. You're not buying a guy to score 130 every week. You might be paying a premium for him, but if he could at least you know outscore someone like Drinkwater or Luai or Moses by sort of 30 points, then he's doing his job. He doesn't have to be 130. It can be sort of 60 or 70, as long as it's more than the other guys in that spot. He's done his job. Yeah, I'd probably rate him out of the halves options to purchase this week. I think Cameron Munster's um, the best one to purchase, coming off that yeah, 105 points. Yeah, particularly because um, uh, Moses got a tough, tough draw sort of coming up. Um, Cleary's not exactly just a buy yet. Um, Drinkwater got out of jail last week with uh, a couple sort of late sort of uh, uh, kicks just to get him over the line. I scored a try too. Like he's got a real low base. There's not really many other options in in the five eight position. So yeah, this is probably one of those weeks where you can where he's the one one low percentage sort of player that can probably get you out of trouble and maybe maybe bump you up a few you know, a few other spots. Yeah, one of the nice things about Cam Munster this season, um, and he's done this before as well. So I'm not just saying this season, but he's got a base base attack average of 56 points a game. So 36 in pure base and and another 20 in base attack. So he's he, he's got that he's got a really good floor, and he keeps getting he keeps getting that base attack. He keeps getting those tackle breaks and those offloads, along with his raw base. So he's actually doing really well as far as his floor goes. Um, and I'm I'm not someone who's been much of a Cam Munster fan, but like I said, I, I think this week against the Warriors matchup, he's a hundred plus special. So I, I like your BC on him, Billy. Playing devil's advocate though, there's going to be people that don't own Cameron Munster this week or can't bring him in especially because of the carnage, and they're going to be Cameron Smith owners potentially. Cameron Smith, we spoke about um, killing it, um, doing you know four games in a row of 70s, and then he threw out 115 versus Newcastle. And he threw up only 59 points last week, which for other players that were mere mortals, 59 points against the Panthers in a losing effort, you'd be reasonably happy with. But Cam has set a, set a pretty high lofty bar, didn't quite hit it last week, against the Warriors this week. I see him as a as a very safe captaincy option if you're happy to sort of take a 70 and you don't think you've got much more in your team. But as a VC option, you know, he is someone else that might turn up this week that you could consider. 
I don't think you can go big enough to be a VC, um, particularly with so many emergency um, options sort of this weekend. He's only the second game, second game too, so he wouldn't really be a straight. He would have to he'd probably have to be a straight C for a lot of people if you were going to choose him, but I wouldn't. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I will point out one thing, um, and this is something that one of the guys brought up today on one of the threads that I was chatting on. It is almost like a buy round for some teams where I've seen some teams with like five players out and two nuffs in their side. And so they they don't really have anyone. They're going to obviously bring in players with their two trades, but there's teams that are only going to have 18 or 19 active players this week. So you've almost got a, a free swing at the VC because you're going to end up with one of the two players or even one player that you were going to end up with anyway in doing it. So in that respect, maybe... You know, the 120 line in the sand for your VC this week is really 100, and you can kind of look at that. Yeah, I think the um, the spanner in the works there for a lot of people is the, the small number that own Hampton. Like, he sort of became a uh, bit of a sort of quick sort of cash injection, then he kind of disappeared. People kind of left him on their bench, uh, yours truly included. And um, now all of a sudden has come back with what a break-even of, what, 85, and is probably getting 10 minutes off the bench, so... <laughs> A bloke like that is uh, is causing mayhem at the moment, particularly because you have to cash him out and he's not going to give you that much money to upgrade to a guy like Munster. So I think a lot of people are asking themselves, do I, do I, do I sacrifice an, an, an A and lose cash or do I just up, up, upgrade to someone with not as much money this week? Yeah, it's a difficult question to answer. Uh, I, I would be thinking about my VC and my C options when I'm doing my trades. Like if I'm a team... If I'm a team that's down in the dumps and doesn't have very many active players, your VC is going to become in very handy because it's something that could become a bit of an equaliser for you or, or something that's going to give you an advantage this week when you're kind of chasing other teams that have got more players to choose from. So when I'm doing my trades, if I can, you know, hold a Carrigan since he's not playing anyway and hold some of these guys that are out and make sure that I trade out a Ben Hampton or a Liability, I think that that's actually a really good strategic way to go this week because you can always trade those other guys later and it really just brings your VC into play where you, you've got an advantage over some other teams. Yeah, that's what I did. You need you need to think of that um, Ben Hampton guy on your bench as an extra player, like just purely by getting rid of him. Like the, the difference of having to take a 20 score off him as an A versus, you know, uh, someone scoring four, even just 40. Um, as a starting to the centre three quarter, not scoring a try, that's a 20-point swing around already on your VC. So um, that that difference alone um, offsets kind of a, a, any risk with you know, buying a 600k guy versus an 800k guy. Pappenhausen's the ninth most traded and Katoa's the tenth most traded. So they've got a couple of guys going out pretty hardcore from this Warriors team uh, and also the Melbourne team. Munster is the seventh most traded in. So people obviously are already seeing the value there. It's probably because of his ton last week. We obviously both expect the, the Melbourne Storm to come back with a vengeance. They don't normally lose a couple in a row very often. Uh, I see winning pretty well. I think that we both expect that. I reckon it's going to be a 30 to 10 type of scoreline. Storm home, home game, it's still not really different ground. Yeah, I, I don't think that put a. Oh, I, I honestly got no idea. <laughs> Depends which Warriors team turn up. They could get flogged by 50 or it could be a, could be a close game. The Warriors have actually beaten Melbourne. Um, well, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure the last three or four years they've beaten them two or three times in Melbourne. So um, it's probably a bit more evenly matched than what you think, just just on 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 on, um, on precedent. But um, yeah, I think the Storm get up by sort of a good 
two and a half, three tries. Yeah, the the Warriors have got one of the better records against the Storm, especially when you're considering sides that um, haven't necessarily been one of the top, you know, four or five sides in the comp at all. Their their record against the Storm is really good. I think it's a different Warriors side though now, so uh, I think they're going to put the sword to them. You reckon it's got anything to do with uh, a lot of the ex-Storm guys going to the Warriors? Uh, I think it's the style of football, really. I think that in the past the Warriors have kind of had a pack that sort of stood up to them and... It's, I think it's one of those things with any sport where you, you've just got those sides that you, you have some success with or you got fired up once about, about something or other or even had a blue or whatever and it just stays with you and it just becomes a part of your, you know, circle on the calendar that I'm playing the storm and I just think that they get up for it, you know. I, I used to have, you know, random sides that I used to play in footy that I always used to just seem to play better and just looked forward to playing them and there wasn't really no reason. I just had that confidence. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And also some sides that I just hated, so I couldn't wait to go and smack them. But, you know, <laughs> that might be the other thing. <laughs> so I think we're both in agreement on a, a storm win, though. Both agree we're getting, they're going to win pretty well. Big call for me isn't much of a big call. Um, Cam Munster, 100-plus for sure. And Josh Carr, I'm going to say, is going to score a try. On Sportsbet, I think he's $2.25 at the moment because Josh Carr actually... He has missed the last week of footy, but he hasn't actually scored a try since round four. So he's about due if you want to get on that one. It's probably going to get the first one now. Roosters Dragons is our next game. That one's at Bankwest Stadium. For the Roosters news, Tedesco was named, but there's still Ryan Hall on the extended bench that could cause some problems. Obviously, there's some rumours that um, Tedesco will be rested and then you know Brett Morris will go to fullback and Ryan Hall will come in on the wing. Captain's running is on Thursday, so we should have a pretty good idea before kickoff, hopefully. Aside from that, in the Dragons side of things, there's no James Graham. He's officially left the club. Pereira suspended. Um, Trent Merrin retains his spot at lock instead of Graham. Means that we do get to see Jason Saab replace Pereira on the wing. Uh, and he really should have been someone that was starting round one, I reckon. Uh, Kerr's been dropped to the bench. Laurie's promoted to the, to the starting side, but that's not much of a change for super coaches. So, starting with the Roosters, Billy, first of all, cock-a-doodle-doo, mate. I think you owe me a beer next time you're down here. Was that? <laughs> well, we had our beer, but... I don't remember nothing. Don't remember nothing. Jeez. It was a good game of footy. Yeah. The, the Roosters' power last week was a very good game of footy. I, th- I thought your boys did well. They are. I think it was inevitable losing that, but nothing wrong with showing a bit of confidence in your voice. Yeah, just the Roosters are just a different level, mate. Look, so I was—I don't know where it was. I was reading somewhere yesterday or the day before. It just seems like when you watch the Roosters, they seem to have sort of, you know, sort of fifteen players on the field. They just there's just no gaps. Yeah, we're we're really hitting some really good form this um, post-pandemic. Um, since we've come back from the shutdown, I, I've been really happy with how we've been playing. But I thought it was a good game of footy. I thought Power were in it. I thought that they did really well. Um, it was just a good, hard game, and they just happened to lose. I reckon Power Roosters will be the grand final. But we won't keep banging on about our teams, mate. Let's talk about this matchup. A lot of excitement for the Roosters players. But first things first, if Tedesco is out, that's going to be absolutely shattering for teams. Now, I had a crazy thought earlier because I'm just livid with the amount of players that are out, and I really want to get points this week. Um, I actually had a thought that the Roosters have got Melbourne next week. they got the Dragons this week. I could get someone like Brett Morris as a rental for two weeks, who's got a low BE, hoping that he gets a ton against the Dragons. 
and make some cash for two weeks off him and then get Tedesco back after the Storm game next week. I thought that might have been a little bit crazy, even with extra trades and a shortened season, but I see that James Tedesco is now the ninth most uh, traded in player. So I feel like it's even more crazy now because a lot of people are jumping on him just because he's been named. Do you think he's going to play? Uh, I reckon he will. He was up pretty quickly after that. It was from my from my expert analysis from my armchair. <laughs> he looked he looked all right, but protocols are protocols, mate. Um, no disrespect to the Dragons, but it probably is a very very soft win for the Storm. So it's not like they, uh, sorry, for the Chooks, So it's not like they um, they uh, need to put their full strength on the field. I'm pretty sure they get over the line without him. So maybe it's a game they just go look, sit down, and tell you without Nija. The only thing I'll add there is you. If for some reason he is to the pool, but the last minute, you sure Morris is going to play fullback? Because um, Manu, Manu filled in um, pretty well last year, didn't he? Yeah, Morris will get the fullback. Morris has moved during the game to fullback, and he also gets the Broncos in round four when Teddy was out with the um, the COVID test. He started at one, so pretty safe to assume it'll be Morris. And especially oh, okay, yeah. his, he's playing his old yeah. club too. That was the other thing with him. If he goes into the one jersey... And he's playing Saints, which, you know, again, everybody sort of gets up for their old clubs most of the time. He's coming off the last three games of scoring 72, 144, and 114 points. With all those games, he scored a try, but he's only scored one in each of them. So, like, that 114 and 144 points, he only actually scored one try in those games. It's not like he got, like, five tries. So, he's he's just been absolutely killing it. And at fullback as well, against the Broncos, he killed it. So... I mean, with that type of strategy, you obviously traded out Ponga when Ponga was just out one week. If if Teddy's out this yeah. week and he's playing the Storm next week, which isn't that favourable, is it that crazy for me to consider a two-week rental to Morris, make 70k, get a ton this week potentially, and then just sort of go back? No, it's not crazy. Um, the, only, the only thing is you want to make sure 100% you can get him back next week because um, my situation before was... Um, traded that Ponga for one week and then bought in um, bought in Holmes. He didn't score massively, but he scored like 91 or something. I was pretty happy with it, which was great. So I decided to keep him for an extra week, and I think he ended up going down with ankle injury with a score of, what, 40 or something or other, and then that was the week that um, Ponga went and scored 159. So it was a great move in hindsight, but you just can't expect the, you know what happens the week after. So... If you're going to do it, you're going to want to make sure you get Teddy back pretty quickly because uh, what happens if he goes 180 and, and that one one you don't own, it completely offsets uh, any move that you make with Morris in the interim. Yep. I mean, one of the good things is with that swap, uh, you make about 250k on that trade. So uh, it's it, you're, going to, you're going to put some bank away anyway with that, and then you can kind of... I figure that you can see what the lay of the land is next week. Um, and potentially leave that in the bank just to just to do the straight swap back. Um, the other thing that it does too, which a lot of people don't look at, is like I've got a lot of players. M- most of my players aren't guaranteed to lose money this week. There isn't actually anyone that I have to trade out that's going to lose money this week. So you know, guys that I'd probably want to get rid of soon, like a drink water now has a twenty seven ve for instance. By not trading those guys out and trading a, a Teddy instead, I'm going to allow those guys to make money for a couple of weeks and then cull them when I get Teddy back in. So you make that extra money as well. So I'm, I'm seriously considering it. Um, one of the things with all the people trading in Teddy, since he is a top 10 most traded, please reverse trades and do it before the kickoff so you'd know if he's definitely playing because that would be absolutely devastating. 
Yeah, the, the, the other thing is too, if you own Teddy and sort of Papin Hughes, lots of people are going to have sort of Teddy uh, in the actual fullback position because they might want to VC or see him. Just be wary that Papin Hughes plays before him. So if Papi is in the reserve spot and, you, and Teddy is a last minute out, you're going to be stuck with A because you're not going to have anyone, anyone to move around there. Yep, really good point, mate. Look, we're, we're banging on about Teddy. Teddy's going to carve up this week if he plays. He's definitely a C option, um, but it is the old battle of Ponga versus Teddy this week because Ponga's against a Cowboys side that looked pretty bad last week, and Teddy's obviously against the Dragon side if he's playing. Is Teddy the C option here, or, or if you own both of them, would you actually be leaning towards Ponga? Uh, I'd be more interested in Teddy, mate. He's, he's got more of a chance to go on big, big time. Yep. Oh, I'm I'm really split on it, so I'm not sure yet. Uh, there is other guys in this Rooster side that could carve up this week. Angus Crichton we've mentioned quite a few times. He scored 65 points on the weekend. He's now played 80 minutes every week this, this year. Uh, Orbo's been on the bench for a couple of those. So it's safe to assume that he's got that 80-minute role now. He's now 720000 to purchase, which is insane, but... Just quietly, he is the third best player in the game, averaging 89 points a game now. And he's also the number one forward. There isn't a forward better than Angus Crichton. And we now have a five-game sample size, and he's about to play against the Dragon's Edge that could absolutely open up for another double for him. Uh, I'm I'm an owner. I'm thankful I am because 720 is too much to pay right now, probably. But if you were looking at buying points, Billy, and you had the money to spend... Crichton is one of those guys that could go big this week. Yeah, he could. Um, yeah. He just... One thing I've learned in the last three or four weeks is that if you're going to spend money on big, it's probably best to do it on halves and halves and fullbacks. Um, like a guy like Crichton can go really well, but he's not... Unless he's going to travel, he's not going to, he's not going to hit the stratosphere. Um, so like you said, I don't think he's a guy you, you would want to pay sort of 700 plus K on. But I'll tell you what, he's one hell of an option for this week. Yep, he's, in round four he scored 125, round five he scored 120 before he's shithouse 65 against your guys. So he's uh, he's definitely an option, um, potentially even a VC option, which I'm going to look at. I may very well VC Angus Crichton and go the C Ponga route, uh, and that might be the way I, I handle it. I have to give my obligatory Daniel Tupo shout-out because I tell you what, I bring him up with people sometimes and they laugh at me. He scored 94 points on the weekend. And that was just with his one try. And it was obviously a tough game against the Eels. He's now scored, aside from round one, stinker of 33. The five games after that, he has now scored no lower than 58 points with a high of 94. And two out of those five games have been 90s. So he has been one of my better purchases along with Angus Crichton this year. And I don't see any way that he doesn't score a try this week against the Dragons. Filthy at him because I had... (laughs) That, that that one game where the entire Chooks backline scored a try, I had him. I had him on my multi. He was the last one I needed, but um, so I'm still filthy on that. But yeah, he's certainly been racking up some points without sort of doing anything sort of outstanding. Um, the only thing I can say there is, I think it's because Teddy's in the team, and he Teddy seems to go right really, really comfortably. That's why you've seen big scores from sort of uh, Morris as well as um, the, the, him, him feeding Crichton. Um, I know the dogs are sort of an easier defense, but did you see how easily just slots sort of Crichton through that gap on the right hand side? Well, it's it's it, it was annoying for Supercoach because Crichton couldn't even get tackle breaks because he was going through untouched. 
I'd be happy with a 30 points, brother. <laughs> well, Tubo's actually got 34 raw base this year, which for an outside back, 34 raw base is phenomenal. And he does have some offloads and tackle breaks every single game. So he is someone that's gone under the radar. He's 576k. He could easily score a double against the Dragons. If you own a heap of outside backs, I've said this against other matchups and he's carved up, he could easily be a guy that you brought in if you didn't have bigger problems to, to sort out. Um, and he's a complete pot, a few percent ownership. Hardly anyone owns him. I think that we need to talk a little bit about the Dragons, mate, because there is some Dragons fans out there. And, you know, they have made some changes that might be better for them. As far as cheapies go, Saab has come in and he's become a big watch. He's 270k. Uh, now that the Dragons are under a bit of pressure, um, maybe they'll start to hand over to the youth and Saab will carve out a role. At 270k, he might be a downgrade to watch for a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, you owe Gav 50 bucks still, don't you, for that? Yeah, I lost 50 bucks. I bet someone that, um, that Jason Saab would be the starting winger round one. And yeah, I, I should have known that Mary wasn't going to let me win that one. It's one of the few things Gav's got right too. <laughs> <laughs> Cam McGuinness is the, is the lone gun that we spoke about last week. Uh, I mean, I have always been a bit shy on getting Cam McGuinness in. I'm not as big a fan as other players. I've made that pretty well known. It was a sort of game that I was dreading he could put up, so I'm glad I wasn't an owner. He put up 58 points against the Gold Coast Titans. 54 in raw base, 80 minutes that he played. Uh, that is the type of Cam McGuinness game that I was worried he could put up, and it's what he did. And for close to 700k, you need a lot more than that. Obviously, it's just one game. Um, a lot of people captained him, though. I think he was, like, the fourth most captain player. So it was pretty brutal for those guys. He's coming up against the Roosters this week, so I'm expecting he might have another lower score, potentially, like, 58 again, back-to-back weeks. Oh, yeah, I don't know. He, 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 he puts in a lot of tackles, so he's probably probably going to get a lot. Um, probably going to get a lot against your guys, given they're going to have a lot of ball, but... He might be standing behind a post a bit too, so it might, it might take a bit of time off the clock. So you might be might not be too far after the 58 again this week. I definitely wouldn't be looking at bringing him in. He's only got a 72 BE, but that 111 is going to drop out after this week or next week, and um, he's going to start maybe losing money again. So surely people shouldn't be looking at bringing him in. I saw a couple of people looking at it, and maybe I'm just jaded because I'm not a big fan, but... I don't think this is the time to be bringing him in after coming off that 58 play the Roosters. He's, he's not going to score 90 every week, but I tell you what, um, he's 50, 65 consistently is a really decent score for a second row. So um, the fact that he's playing your, your guys this week can, can probably still put up 50, 55 at 65 and then go on with it. Uh, not the worst purchase, but given his price, you could probably still wait a couple of weeks if he sort of missed that Titans game, which was... I thought he was going to do a lot more than what he did. We spoke about Matthew Dufty being a bit of a hand grenade for 100 points last week. He didn't quite do that, but he did hit 75, which was pretty nice. Um, decent score. He's now yeah. gone up to over 500k, Billy, and he's a negative 17 BE. So if you got him in, it was uh, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, it was a pod choice for um, that team last week. Worked out well, but um, unfortunately now you have to bench him this week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Um, so you'll just be playing the one fullback this week, but hopefully you've got that set up. I think we've given enough love to the Dragons. We don't need to give them any more. Uh, Lomax played really well last week, so he can have a shout-out. Michaeli Ravalawa has won me money on Sportsbet for two of the last three weeks, I think, that he scored tries. Um, I don't think I'm going to be betting on him this week, though. I expect the Roosters to put them to the absolute sword. Uh, I was surprised. 
on sports bets, uh, roosters are close to three dollars to win twenty four plus, and I was very surprised that I could get that type of money for them. Um, I'm expecting thirty plus roosters win. Yeah, what, three dollars for twenty four plus. Yep. Not bad. Yeah, I might have a crack at that. If you've got any roosters, definitely um, have a look at the VC for the top dogs, Tedesco and uh, Angus Crichton. Um, I think are the big dogs in this one to have a look at that could go big. Um, but if you do own Kyle Flanagan, he's somebody else that, uh, as a goal kicker, he's had some big games lately and deserves some props. If you've got him in your side, then maybe he's a VC option as well. Cowboys versus Knights is a follow-up yeah. game. Just a reminder for Perso out there, if you're listening, mate, you can't VC Pine and see Teddy. Got to pick one, brother. <laughs> Cowboys vs Knights is our next one um, This is up in Queensland Change for the Cowboys is pretty insignificant uh, On the bench and with the reserves So we won't even worry about that The big news is that the Hammer still starts At the number one jersey which is good uh, For the Knights side They've got Bradman Best dropped For breaching COVID quarantine rules That's a huge blow um, For Supercoach And also for the Knights he looked like he had a really good matchup in this one, so let's just start talking about that. Bradman Best is out, and I'm going to make a little bit of controversy here. I'm looking at potentially trading in Billy. I know it sounds crazy, and we've said that he might be a keeper, but he's 450k, so he's just about doubled his money that he started at, and he's coming off a 38-59 the last two weeks. Misses a great matchup against the Cowboys, then it's Manly... Para and Souths the next three weeks after that, which isn't great. Better game against the Dogs, but then hits Melbourne. So his next five weeks, I would say, is not a good draw. Um, and the fact that he's made the money and he's got to be in the 60s, not going to play this week. Uh, as far as guys not playing, I'm looking at maybe sacrificing him and punting him. Am I crazy for doing that? No, you're not crazy. Um, I would probably sort of punch Katoa out first if I could, um, followed by one or two others before I got rid of best. Um, the only reason for sort of holding on to him is because Ponga really does go looking for him, and the guy's a beast. He, he has a has a high floor for a centre three quarter um, thirty eight, so pretty pretty damn good for um, the centre three quarter base that did sort of nothing. So I wouldn't be too concerned concerned with that, mate. Um, put it this way: Who would you actually replace, re- replace him with? So I've got the ability because I've got Avrilo in the halves to buy a half for him. So, at the moment, Sean Johnson. Yep. It could very easily be Cameron Munster as well. So, uh, that's why I'm looking at premium big points. So, that's why I'm sacrificing him. And one of the problems that I've got is probably similar to some super coaches. I do have a lot of forwards that I prefer to call. So, Katoa that you mentioned is one of them. Tanoa Brown from the Warriors is another, along with Carrigan, and, and the list goes on with all these forwards that are out at the moment. The problem is that... Uh, yeah, I, I don't have the jewels because I've already used my jewel and moved him up to the forwards from centre wing. I don't have the jewels to get any backs in if I trade one of my forwards. So if I want those big points and I want to go for those 100 pluses, like a Sean Johnson maybe or a Munster, then I have to trade it back and that's why Bradman Best comes into it. Yeah, look, the, the only way it's going to hurt you is if he does something out of blue and, and scores like, you know, two trials like he did on day two and all of a sudden, you know, 10% of people that traded him, traded him you know, he got, got so lucky or... Oh, sorry. Got um, got what they paid for. Um, some people knew he was knew he was a big unit of a gun. So I, I know what you're saying, mate. You, you, you could probably sort of offset sort of three quarters three quarters of your score by just throwing a sort of bum in there, I suppose, and just the extra cash really bumped up to the five eight. So 
see what you're doing. I think one of the changes that I'm doing this year that I maybe haven't as much other years is because it is a shortened season. I've been really ruthless with a lot of my trades. And I'm just, I'm just going with the gut on who's going to score points this week and next type of thing. And if guys aren't scoring, like they're out, I'm just sort of saying to myself, if Bradman Best is really that good in three or four weeks' time, he's the type of guy I'll just trade back in in a month and get rid of someone that's on a bad draw for a couple of weeks out of my centre wing and I'll find to do that. So I reckon that you just got to pull the trigger quick on these ones. A little bit different when you've got the premium guns, like a, you know, those fullbacks are a little bit harder to trade out because it's harder to get back and the, the gun forwards potentially as well. But with centre wing, like, if I've got to buy Bradman Best back for, you know, 500k in, in, a, in a month's time, I'll, I'll just do it. Yeah, fair enough. I think there's going to be lots of centre three quarter positions with low percentage this week. Yeah, for sure. Speaking about gun fullbacks, Caelan Ponga is top 10 most traded in, which isn't surprising. He's the second most traded in. We've almost got 10% of coaches that have jumped on. He's close to 800,000. He's now in 34% of teams, Billy. I have to say, I'm absolutely filthy that Trevojevic went down because it is meant that it's an easy trade to Caelan Ponga, and that is the majority of these um, 9% of Ponga trade-ins that have happened, uh, people going from Turbo to Ponga. And it's an automatic captaincy on Ponga this week as well with a great choice. I just think that it's uh, it's it's really given everyone an out just to be able to go straight over to Ponga and put the C on him. Oh, don't be too filthy, mate. It's, um, you got to remember, those people have to make a, a forced trade as to go sideways pretty much as opposed to going forwards. So but whether or not they had the trade to Ponga or not, they were still going to have Turbo if he was healthy. So thinking of it this way, they um, are still at the same points pretty much. They just don't have a. Uh, they've just got one less trade to downgrade to achieve an upgrade and going elsewhere. So if anything, I think backwards, mate. True, true. I'm just. Uh, I just don't like his ownership going into the 30s. I really liked it when he was in the 20s. He scored 78 points on the weekend. I captained him for that. Initially, I thought that it was a bit of a smart move just to captain straight up, um, get ahead of the curve a little bit with the crowd, probably VC. And I was pretty happy. Initially, I thought, you know, this is going to work out. And then as the game drew on, he didn't seem to be doing enough. Um, he didn't get enough ball at all, which I was filthy about. But he ended up updating a 78. And it's one of those things that we've spoken about for so long. His tackle breaks and goal kicking really make sure that he gets a good score. I wasn't hugely happy with 78, but I was going to take it. But then with the way the round panned out, he ended up being one of the best captaincy choices last week with the 78. Yeah, true. <laughs> Very true, much. So, are you seeing him as a bit of a ton against the Cowboys this week? The Cowboys were abysmal last week. Like, I think the Tigers stepped off the gas more than anything yeah, in the look, second half. Yeah, they looked very, very ordinary, didn't they? Yeah, grudge, ma- grudge match too, old club. I see him putting up a decent score. Although I'm going to shut my mouth last last time I talked about Palmer. I told him it was never a VC option because he's just consistent A score. is never not a big ton score, but I saw what he did to the Raiders, so... Um, given the uh, Cowboys' form at the moment, I'm not willing to sort of put the mocker on him at all, considering I don't know him. <laughs> well, one of the uh, good stats for Ponga against the Cowboys, there is four, uh, five teams that he's um, scored a ton against, and the Cowboys are one of them. So out of those five teams, it, it is a, the fifth worst ton, but it's his fifth best score is against the Cowboys' side and one of the five teams that he's scored a ton on. So... He does have that form. He has played a couple of games against them now, and he's gone well against them. And like you said, it is that grudge match against his old club. Uh, so I reckon that he is going to get involved, and he is going to go ballistic. 
And I think that's a good thing that it's an away match too, because he's going to be going back up to uh, to North Queensland to play, uh, which I think is good because I, I feel like that that's going to, you know, playing at home, it's, it's not going to have any crowd for him at Newcastle or anything, playing against his old club and whatever, but going back to his old old ground, even though it's a new ground, I guess, but going up to North Queensland to play, I think that he's really going to step up and I expect at least 100 points from him. Uh, it, he's hard to put the C off to put on Teddy, as good as Teddy is. Yeah, I still like Teddy versus the Dragons a lot more than Ponga up there. Yeah, this is a tough call, mate. <laughs> if only he was available at five eight. Nah. Um, you're probably going to have to wait for late mail and really see what's happening with Teddy. If Teddy's healthy, I would 100% go to him. But if there's an unknown, I think you would really have to sort of go with Ponga. Hey, just take, take the risk out and, and go to the guy, you know, is going to go big, big also. Yeah, those are definitely the two most going to be the two most popular choices this week for captaincy, and I do think that it's a week that you have to go with the crowd. Like, do you agree that you can't really go against either of those options if you own them, uh, just to try and go against the crowd? I think you just got to go along with it this week because it's it's too much chance for it to burn. Yeah, you, surely. I think you have to go. Yeah, I think you have to go with one of those at least for the VC option. Um, is, yeah, there's a chance one of them is going to get the while we're on the subject of Ponga. Because uh, Shibasaki has a low, low, low base, but he's on that left-hand side that, that Ponga sort of favours um, going against his old club. Um, I'd be inclined to sort of play Shibby, but yeah, it should be on Masters, I have to play, so probably leaning towards Masters at the moment and hopes and ball actually goes his way for a couple of offloads again. I mean, I sold Shibasaki early on when he got dropped, so I don't have that option, unfortunately. But a guy that we haven't spoken about on the podcast really hardly at all um, has been Daniel Safidi. And Safidi's gone awesome lately. On the weekend, he scored a great props try against the Broncos for 101 points and made me look at his more recent scores. And he's been going really well. He's got 56 in base this year, average score of 74 a game now. And just quietly, he's one of the more trained-in players this week as well. Caelan Pong is the second most trained-in player this week. But Daniel Safi is the fourth most at 5.3%. Yeah, I can't understand that. I know, I know he's been going better than previous years, but he's had, he's had a try in there. I, it's not like he's playing like massive, massive minutes. He doesn't really have any sort of good clutch. I'd, I'd be kind of putting it down to him having a career year and it's sort of being a bit of an anomaly at the moment. I reckon there's plenty better places better guys you can put in that front row position. I would have Fodawika in front of him by a light year. Probably prefer TPJ in the front row. I would even just sort of just play, play the um, Janelle Brown this week and upgrade elsewhere. I wouldn't be wasting money on him. But look, he's doing the job so far, so make your own decisions. Yeah, he went up 42000 this week and he's now made 167000 So if you started with him, you've done a bang-up job in picking him because no one was picking him this year. He's done a hell of a lot more with his minutes somehow. So, like you said, Billy, his minutes haven't haven't gone up heaps. They've gone up about five minutes a game. He's only playing around the 50-minute mark at the moment, so he doesn't have that minutes upside. He's got base of 56. The big thing is that his PPM is just through the roof, and that's where I agree with you. I think that it's a little bit unsustainable. His PPM has always been between 0.93 and 1.02. So he's barely been able to get over that one mark. And in fact, the last three years, he hasn't been able to. In 2020, his PPM is 1.45. It's almost a 50% increase on his per minute output, which 
I cannot see sustainable. Yeah, yeah, that's poor born territory. That's and that's above above the feet of any crime. Um, mate, that's that's above hearts. So no, <laughs> I can't see it being sustainable. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're getting in at the wrong time. I think the time was to start with him if you thought he was going to go this good. I will, like, to give him a bit of credit and play a bit of devil's advocate, he is a young guy. Um, he has been getting better and better. He's just turned 24. Maybe this is the resurgence of him being, you know, the best prop in the NRL um, and rivaling Haas, and he's going to keep on going on with it. The law of averages and stats say it's not going to happen, though. I wouldn't be buying him. I think that there's other safer options to get, and I think that the upside that he's shown so far, like Billy said, you know, he scored two tries in those six games. So one in three games he scored a try, and he's got three line breaks. So he's not going to get a line break every second week. It's just it's unsustainable. So I don't necessarily agree with it. I understand people getting enamoured with him, though. Um, but... Let's move on to some of the other players in this one because it's quite interesting. David Clemmer is the other front row forward prospect here and he is starting to drop cash. Uh, he has become close to the same prices as uh, Saifidi. He's only 585k and he's got a 94 BE. So he's actually going to be cheaper than Saifidi next week. I would much rather bring in Clemmer than what I would for Daniel Saifidi. Yeah, we talked about him last week as well. Uh, not not so much being a trap, but just be careful because his his um his, his um offloads had gone through the roof. These minutes were actually down. Same with Sofini. His 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 um his attack's gone through the roof at the moment, and that's likely to come back down. There's nothing to do with the minutes um increase here. So yeah, if you're actually going to buy one, Clemmer could be sort of a bargain basement option. But honestly, I don't really have any see any major appeal for either of them. Mate. Fair enough. Well, it might be time to give some Cowboys props. I'm going to admit something that you would have laughed at me about, you know, before the round. I started Isan Masters against his old side, the Tigers, and I started Drinkwater. Um, it looked real bad at half time. Drinkwater had three yeah. points. Drinkwater finished on 91, and Isan Masters finished on 88 points. So almost 200 points between those two blokes. I was absolutely cheering. Um, it means that they both live to fight another day and that they they might actually be putting up some points again. Do you think that they're going to be players this week? Do you think that the Cowboys are actually going to bounce back at all? No. Nah. <laughs> no, nah, I um, I started both of them last week as well. Um, but uh, much like you, mate, I got I got to half-time and promised myself that was the last week I was playing drink quarter. I couldn't deal with that. So even after he was 91 last week, I was... Um, I was going to sell him this week, but I couldn't. I couldn't afford it. Um, I needed a bit more coins, so I, I had, had to sell the, um, the uh, sell Williams instead. So still got him, but not playing him this week at all. Um, I'll, I'll risk that. And unfortunately, I had to play Masters this week due to uh, Best being out. But I'll tell you what, I would much rather be playing Best than so be having to play Masters than be in a position that a lot of other coaches are in and having to play someone that's uh, likely to score. Um, I was going to say, likely to score a 20, but <laughs> Masters could do the same. But at least he has that potential for a tackle bust and a few offloads here and there for the size of put his finger out of his ass. <laughs> well, one of the top cheapies um, is playing in this Cowboys side this week. The hammer himself that we've spoken about, but this is actually when you have to buy him if you don't have him, if you're choosing a cheapy downgrade, because he's going to go up after this game. He's got a minus 43 BE. Um, you know, I was pretty critical of him on the weekend as well. I thought that he would have gone a lot better. 
but then he had a decent second half and he ended up scoring 37. I saw saw a lot of people angry with his 37. I was actually reasonably happy with it because how that game was going, I thought that he could have scored seven or eight points after that first half. So 37 is not bad, especially for a rookie fullback. 171k. Uh, we're going to talk about some other cheapies uh, when we get to some of the other teams, but it's pretty much guys like Nui, uh, Coates, uh, and Vuna from Manly, along with the Hammer. Now, all those guys are being looked at this week a little bit. Xavier Coates is the most traded in player. He's at 10.8%. The Hammer is half that at 5% and the fifth most traded in. I actually rate the Hammer over Coates as a trade-in. Where are you sitting on if you're going to get one of them as a downgrade? Which one are you going to choose? I've been sitting on the fence for the last two days trying to figure that out. Um, <coughs> I, <coughs> I really do like um, Coach Jaw for the next three weeks, but I also hate the fact that he needs to go over the line at least once to score a 55. Um, whereas the Hammer, um, although he looked pretty bloody ordinary last week and he was on, what, zero at halftime? Or, or thereabouts. <laughs> pretty close. He managed to pull his finger out and... and did manage to pull his finger out and get up to, uh, wasn't it like thirty-seven, thirty-seven or thirty-eight as well? Yeah. So um, yeah. So for a bloke to sort of pretty much score thirty-seven in the second half when he looked like he was doing nothing, um, no line breaks, no tries, um, the only way is up, mate. So um, look, I would much rather take the guy that has probably a land speed record um, in the fullback position who can have a bit of a wind up as opposed to. Um, picking the, the Broncos guy, knowing that he has to go over the, over the trial line probably at least once a game to be better than the, like the fullback. So I'm going to take a risk and get the hammer in instead. Yeah, I think that your analysis is spot on. I think the hammer's got much more opportunity to score more points uh, as far as how he plays in his game. But Coates has a draw opportunity. Um, the problem is that the Broncos haven't been very good, but they do play the Titans and then the Warriors. So I understand people jumping on Coates. Um, I prefer the Hammer just because I think he's a better player. And like you said, Coates has to get a try to get to 50, and the Hammer can get pretty close to that. I mean, he scored 66 against the Warriors in round five with no try. The other thing to add is with um, Buddy Izarko going to the bench, you've got no idea what the hell the rotation is going to be. I mean, I was actually going to pick up that Tessie Nui this week as a pod and go, you know what, I'd much rather take... Um, he's already played his second game as well. Um, but he, he came off the bench for the last 10 minutes in one, in yeah. one game or both games. So he, has, he hasn't, he hasn't had, had that much game time. But I'll tell you what, I looked at some of the kids' highlights. Man, the kid's got a step. <laughs> he knows that he knows how to run. So I was tempted to get him instead um, of uh, the hammer or, um, or Coates for those kick returns in that draw. But we, I'll tell you what, with... Um, yeah, with um, Isaka on the bench, not knowing whether he's going to come in the fullback or whether he's going to go to wing for Coates or what's going to be the late sort of move around, just can't take that risk. So I'm completely avoiding all sort of Broncos, mate, and just going for the going for, going for the cow kid. Completely agree. I, I think that um, the nail in the coffin was the team list today on the Broncos that put the hammer at the top. I, I could understand people getting Coates in um, before TLT. Now that we've hit TLT, I can't understand it all. It's a huge risk. Um, if you're looking at the head of the draw, you know, Coates might not even, Coates might be on the bench next week. You know, you, you've got no idea how that's going to shake out with a, a back on the bench like Osako. So I, I just think that the hammer's a guy to, yeah. to buy. 
So I, I definitely wouldn't be playing the hammer against Newcastle, though. You're in agreement that if you're going to buy him, you're going to just sit him on the bench. It's not like last week's matchup where you're going to hope for points. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so obviously, Tom Malolo, um is going along like Tom Malolo does and had a big week last week. I, I can't believe how solid he is. Like he's against our Tigers side, he still scored 76 points to, despite the demolition in the first half and 68. That was pure base. Is he? If, if you're going to VC. You know, a Ponga or a Teddy, rather than put the straight C on. Is he an option as your safety C for this week again against Newcastle? Oh, he's, he's always an option for a C. But I mean, particularly after last week, where you know, first ball off the kickoff, he's he, he's dropped it. So momentum's a big thing, mate. And when you lose that rush from the, rush from the start, um, you, you start going down to a team like that. And I think he, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but did, did, wasn't his minutes a little bit sort of shorter than usual? I think it was. Um, I actually think that he played more. Um, yeah, he played. He played more minutes. He played. Nah, 70, he came off. He, he played seventy-two minutes because what happened was they they took him off and they they were just getting they just kept getting hammered and it was almost like to the point that they went shit. We've got to throw him back on and they just they threw him back on a little bit earlier than they normally would because the weeks before he played sixty-two and fifty-nine uh, okay. minutes, so he, he actually played seventy-two. Yeah, I thought he came up a little bit earlier than normal last week. That's okay. Maybe I was maybe I was caught up in fast boarding it because <laughs> it was a dead set to a stinker. Yeah, he might have. I think that he did. I think that you're right. He came off a bit earlier, but then they panicked and had to throw him straight back on. So he only lasted eight minutes on the sideline before yeah, okay. they put him back. So yeah, he's yeah, going to be an option. Right, he scored. He got some upgrades. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, his score was pretty low, but then he got some upgrades. That's right. Yeah. So. Up at the Cowboys, I actually think the Cowboys are going to bounce back from last week. I don't think they're going to win, but I think it's not going to be the flogging that some people are predicting. I think that it'll have a lot of points, so I could see it being a you know a thirty to to twenty type of scenario where Newcastle gets the win, but you know has to fight for it a little bit. Yeah, I think the cows will, cows are at home and they're not a rubbish side. They'll they'll score a couple. I mean, I say they're not a rubbish side because they've got Tom Lola, they can carry anyone. Um, but yeah, look, they, mate, the, the halves really don't do anything apart from sort of uh, chip over the top. Um, not really too many attacking options in that team. So yeah, look, I think Tom Alala gives them enough go forward to get a couple of tries. But yeah, you're right. So, um, Knights probably put on some four, four, five, six tries. So this next game is the Broncos versus Titans. And we started to segue into that nicely. So let's keep that up. We got the Titans change of Bryce Cartwright being dropped, uh, so he just seems to be in and out every second week. Um, nothing really super coach relevant though on that Titans side of things that we haven't spoken about before. For the Broncos side of things though, heaps of changes that are super coach relevant. Um, Joe O will start at lock because Carrigan is out, which is a big blow. It does mean that Hoppelardi is back on the bench, which is great for anyone that's held him because it means he can make a bit more cash. Um, Tessa Nui is going to be starting at fullback with Jermaine Sacco dropped, as you mentioned. So that is the other huge news. Um, and Flegler's actually suspended. So if anyone held on to him, he, he's definitely got to go. But like we started to mention, Billy, um, Tessa Nui is the number one. There is definitely a chance that Sacco isn't on the bench once we get to the final 17 um, and someone from the extended bench comes on. But you, you asked a good question a little bit earlier. Um, who's going to goal kick for these guys? And I'm really not sure. Uh, did you have any idea who was going to maybe kick some goals? 
I think Farnsworth kicked one last week when Ozako came off. Yes, I saw a stat where um, that other than Ozako was kicking last week, I asked the boys and they said it was something to do with the um, yeah, send-in. So possibly the right centre? Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that you're correct. So that's not really very super coach relevant. I'm going to throw another name out there, though. There, with, with Pax injured... There isn't actually a second hooker at the moment. Isaac Luke's 360k, and he is a, a good goal kicker from the past. Uh, but he's a good first grade level goal kicker. So he's someone else to maybe keep an eye on if Pax is out longer term. Um, I mean, Isaac Luke at the moment, it looks like he's going to play 80 minutes at hooker, and if he ends up goal kicking as well, well, all of a sudden that becomes a little bit interesting despite how, um, how, how bad he is at his age at the moment. He's still good enough to be relevant. Yeah, hell of a pod move um, for this week, but you'd have to have some big balls to drop to the ground as well as Appy for someone like that in an, in an unknown situation. Yeah, I think that if you're going to do it, it's one of those um, platform moves that you do. I mean, I'll start off by saying it, I, I think it's crazy unless you know that he's goal-kicking to do it. He has to be goal-kicking. But 360k, he's going to play the Titans, the Warriors and the Bulldogs. It is something where in three weeks' time, if he's goal-kicking and Pax is out for a little while and he's playing the big minutes, you could easily make over a hundred grand, and you can platform him to a Damien Cook or something in, in two or three weeks' time. So that's where I see it maybe relevant. It, it could just be that he goal-kicks and um, you don't trade him in and that takes points off someone else maybe. Don't know. But either way, I wouldn't do it if I had Appy or Grant. It would only be if I had someone like Braley there uh, and I'd eye off after this week to see what happens. I really don't know how this bench is going to pan out. If Asako stays on the bench, he's going to have to play. It's going to hurt one of these backline guys, so I really don't like that for Coates, um, and I really don't like that for Nui either. You'd expect it would surely be one of those guys, but the other rumour that's been thrown out there is that Asako can go on the wing and Corey Oates can go in the forwards for half a game. Yeah, it's pretty messy. <laughs> I don't know what the hell Seaball's thinking, mate. Um, the only thing I can think of is that he wants to move, you know, fullback for his looking sort of fullback that he's throwing that under the bus, but he's got to do something. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, mate. But yeah, too much, too, much, too much danger in that team to stand right away. One of the good things with uh, Nui is that we can see what he does this week and he's, it's not really going to make too much difference. So... Like you mentioned, he, he's played on the bench before, so his score wasn't fantastic anyway. So even though he's up to his third game now, his other games are twenty um, are nine and six points. So it's really vastly irrelevant that he's, he's up to his third game. You can wait a couple of weeks even before he's actually going to start to make any money. So that that's pretty good. Like you can wait two weeks and have a four-week look at him and see what his role is going to be like. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, there's not a, it's, it's just their draw that's appealing, but there's no other sort of factor, that, uh, compelling factor as to why you would need someone uh, just for this week. So you mentioned your boy TPJ. He's on an edge versus the Titans, which we know we love. Sell everyone on, uh, on the TPJ pod. Um, yeah, uh, his stats for last year were much better on the edge than, than the front row. I think it was, uh, I can't remember what it was. It was all pre-season he goes a lot better on the edge. Um, looking at the stats last year, I can't remember the ac- actual numbers, but you know, 80 minutes on the edge versus uh, 50 to 60 minutes in, in the middle. There's a lot more attacking opportunity. His numbers were a lot better. Um, pretty short, sure a 65 plus average is sort of getting on, on, on the edge. 
soft jaw coming up. He's available in that front row position. So he's a guy that you could actually put um, – he's, he's a guy you could probably spot Carrigan around for the, the next sort of three weeks um, and maybe get some of that clutch attack. The only concern there is, um, yeah, him uh, – him either blowing a hammy, which he's sort of done in the past, or just going ballistic and sort of knocking someone out and getting getting an extra couple of weeks himself. The suspension's a real worry, um, so you've just you've got to you've got to be aware of that. But um, if David Fafita's not back until say round ten, it means that TPJ's got eighty minutes against the Gold Coast Titans this week against a really weak edge, and then the the Warriors and then the Bulldogs. So. He could be offloading to the extreme. Um, I think he's an outside chance, but a decent outside shot at a line break try this week. Um, whether you want to throw that in on super coach or sports bet, but he's he's going to score pretty well this week, I'd say, against that edge. So it's definitely going to work out this week. He's only got a forty-two be. So it's definitely worse things, Billy. I just it's one of those things where I think that he's going to go well this week, and if I had him, I'd be pretty confident of that. But just after that, I'd be a bit worried. Yeah, there's plenty of concerns in this game. <laughs> you don't need any more headaches like that. But yeah, there's certainly some opportunity there if you need to. I mean, talking about the opportunity, I've I've been going back and forth and looking at Anthony Milford, and I just wish that I would just stop because he's been so bad. Half of his games, <laughs> half of his games have been below twenty this year, like sixteen, fourteen, and nineteen. Three out of his last four, he's just been awful. But He's going against a Titans side that he scored 167 points against in the past, and he's got a 74 average against as it is. And then he hits the Warriors and the Dogs after that. You know, like, because he's only 350k and he's got a, around a 40-ish BE, it's just one of those things where the value is going to start to outweigh things and you just have to have a look. I've kind of said to myself, be reasonable, Barnsley. You just, you're just being stupid now. Like, he's just playing that bad and the Broncos look shot. There's no guarantee the Broncos even win this week. The Broncos might lose by 20 the way that they're going to the Titans. So that's my temperament I'm trying to get. But late at night, when I'm looking in bed, I just end up looking at Anthony Milford over and over again going, 350k, what if he scores 150 points this week? Yeah, did you read the, um, did you read the stats that I put up earlier? I did. They were very good stats. Why don't you share them? So, if, if you go and look at all his scores last year, all his scores were between twenty and thirty-five, whatever you call it. But the only six scores he had over <laughs> uh, that were actually meaningful in, in 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 the green section were versus these three teams. Um, one of them he didn't play the full. I think he played sixty-six minutes for a forty-four. But all five other games, he averaged seventy-two. Pretty sure it was average 72 versus, yeah, Warriors, Dogs, and Titans. So even though he looks absolutely horrendous at the moment, um, if you're looking for a cheap out, true, 50K, he's, um, he's not the worst considering what else, what, what, what other options you have available at 5.8 at the moment. Yeah, and if he averages 70 plus in the next three weeks, it's not only those points, he's going to make 100 grand. And that's one of those things where you can buy a bottom, a bottom rookie, can't necessarily play him. That's the thing that keeps bringing back to Milford. I could buy Milford and make my hundred grand plus, maybe even hundred and fifty grand in three weeks, and he's going to give me points, startable points in these three matchups. Now, obviously, the downside is he could score at seven points a game in the next three weeks. So you just don't know. Yeah, he um, would uh, look the Milford. The Milford of old, you just say, look, you've got to VC the guy, but uh, 
he might be averaging sort of 72 versus these guys, but that ass has got to get in gear, mate, and it's not as uh, not as athletic as it used to be. Yeah, if you owned him, you'd definitely hold him and just play him for the next few weeks. I couldn't endorse anyone buying him at this point. He's just playing too terribly, but if you didn't have many um, problems to fix in your side, then he's a decent punt just because he's only throwing to 50k and just to see what he does, I don't think it'll hurt you too much if your side's strong mm. enough at the moment. Yeah, actually, um, correction, it was, his average versus those three kings was 82, not 72. So oh, even better. Why do you keep tempting me with this, Billy? <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to buy him. Jesus. I was talking to Wilfred before saying, so, mate, I, I threw this stat, this stat, this stat out to him earlier, although it's not like Wilfred wouldn't have investigated to figure it out himself anyway. But he uh, said, yeah, mate, he's a... I'm death riding this season all the way. <laughs> He's not jumping off, so it wouldn't surprise me if he throws a sneaky VC on Milford um, to try and catch up a bit. The poor bloke's copper hammering this year, but yeah, um, yeah, I think the Milford will be riding this one out for the next three weeks. So we spoke about um, Tom Alolo being a solid captaincy choice this week. Payne Haas is a real safe one. He's, um, he's He only scored 54 last week, which is... Really bad for him, um, and only played 59 minutes, which was a bit odd as well. But this week against the Titans, this this could be the week that he goes over for his, you know, his season try that he gets. You know, he hasn't scored a try yet. This might be a game against the Gold Coast Titans middle. Could also get rested again if they're way in front <laughs> and score 59 again. Um, yeah, I I, w- I wouldn't captain him this week purely because. I'm just wondering if last week might have been a bit of an omen, whether coach realised he just can't keep burning a young sort of 19-year-old player out. Um, yeah, the guy's got a big matter in it, and you could probably do it, but um, given the other options available, I would probably just play it a little bit safer and just go lower just this one week and just see what happens with um, with the Haas minutes, mate. One of the things that's interesting, though, for Haas, and, and really for any of the middle guys... Um, <laughs> They've only got one one prop on the bench. Like they've got Reese Kennedy on the bench, and he's not exactly a big big minute prop. Jamil Hopalati's an edge back rower that can't play middle at all. Ben Teo's an edge back rower, but he could play middle, but he's only playing really small minutes. And then there's a Sarko. So I think that with Flegler and Carrigan out of that middle rotation, they're going to be forced to play Haas 80. I don't see any way around it because Joe O can't play big minutes at 13 either. That's probably a really good point. Didn't even think of that. Um... Yeah, and even if they make a last-minute change, it doesn't sound like that bench is big enough to sort of, um, yeah, carry all those forwards, mate. So, yeah, probably probably brings him right back into contention. Um, add, the, add the fact that they're, what, hour and four the last four weeks or something or other and in desperate need of a, of a win to get their, their season back on track. Wouldn't surprise me if... Um, yeah, maybe sort of go back on my last statement now. Probably wouldn't surprise me if maybe... It just needs him on the field to get a, get him a W, mate. I think Huss is going to go 100 points this week. I think this will be his 100-point week. Whether he does that with a try or not, we'll have to see. Um, the other thing I'll point out, too, with TPJ on that edge, it does also look like on that bench he's not going to spend the whole 80 on that edge. I, I think that there's a chance that Jamil might come on and TPJ moves to the middle to give him some middle reinforcement. That might be how they sort it out. Yeah, maybe. Isn't it funny how we turn on our players? You know, we've been saying harsh straight up to sea every single week. All of a sudden, 158. No, shit. 
No shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is one of those weeks where there's a lot of really good captaincy options, uh, and that's why I've been really big on really going yeah. for it as well with the points, because there's that many big points on offer this week. I think you've got to get as many pieces of it as you can. Having said that, um, down to our game predictions, mate, I, I really don't know what's going to happen in this game. The Broncos look so terrible, and they could very well be a bottom four team. They're not going to be one of the bottom teams, but they could very well be not that far away from the Titans. I could see the Titans upsetting them this week. So I, I really don't know what will happen. Yeah, I know. I, I reckon Broncos still win. They were... Look, they were ahead at Manly and then just got mowed down. Um, they've had a couple of ordinary, ordinary ones. Uh, they've played some super, some super teams lately in the uh, Eels and the Chooks. So <laughs> I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't put uh, um, their whole season in the last few weeks, mate. Um, I reckon, I reckon you probably see them bounce back this week. It's dry weather up here too, so uh, a bit more traction for the big fellas. I reckon you probably see a few points in this game. Yeah, I'm not going to pick a winner out of this because um, the Broncos have been disappointing me too much. I'm just going to say there'll be 50 points scored in it. So for super coach purposes, I reckon it's going to be a pretty good one. It'll be scrappy, though. There'll be a lot of shit from kicks, though. I don't think you'll see too many, um, too many consistent sort of line breaks from good balls. It'll be a bit of rubbish, but there'll be points out there. Eels vs Raiders is the next one. Um, the Raiders, starting with them, looked terrible on the weekend. They look like they couldn't score any points at all, so it means any Raiders backs that anyone owns uh, was just devoid of getting any scoring stats. They've named the same 17, despite how poorly they played against Manly. For the Eel side of things, they've obviously just got the one change because Nathan Brown is gone. He's possibly looking at two-week suspension. They've named him, but Nicoria will probably go into the 13 jersey and they'll move someone up. I really like this matchup, Billy. I think it's going to be a cracker of a game. I'm just not really sure what to make for it from super coach point of view, but I would expect that your Eels should put points on uh, on the Raiders this week based on the form of both sides on the weekend. Yeah, we've been going really well. Um, I think your, your guys sort of managed to look look a little bit sort of ordinary in attacks sort of last week, but um, Raiders are known for being defensive, although they've been letting a fair bit. Oh, they've let a and let some points through lately, although a guy like Turbo just kind of barges his way through. You can't stop people like that. I don't think the Eels will be as dominant in the point scoring versus them, particularly because a lot of our stuff comes from Moses' kicks. Um, I think you probably need to go through the line a bit more with them. Um, but Ra- Ra- Raiders are the same, though, you know. On, on, on the right-hand side, they've got Williams, who just sort of doesn't really have much of a passing game, just kicks over the top, and White doesn't pass at all. He just runs himself. So, I... I reckon you'd probably see... I don't think this is going to be a real high-scoring game. I reckon you'd probably see about some 14, 16 points each. Oh, doesn't sound great for Supercoach. Well, on um, most traded in, Ryan Madison is the sixth most with 4% of coaches getting him in. He had another blinder on the weekend, yet again, 91 points in round six. I'm astounded, Billy, that he's still only in 28% of teams. Like, to me, he's a premier forward that should be talked about like Tom Malolo. He's averaging 83 points a game this year. Yeah. He's been very consistent, mate. 91 points on the weekend. Yeah, he has been. Like, we talked about him pre-season, and the thing we kept throwing up was he never scores under 50 ever. So, but the, the thing was, he just kind of had a bit of a ceiling. He's not the guy that's going to go and score um, massive tons. He's just consistently chipping away at sort of, you know, um, 
60 to sort of 75 points and every now and then comes up with something a little bit bigger. And I think the reason why lots probably don't own him is the fact that, look, his break-even is only, you know, 45 or 60 or 65, so he's not going to go up by a lot. But he just keeps bettering it just by a little bit each week to the point where now now all of a sudden we're looking back at it going, oh, shit, he's what, how many, how many hundreds of thousands? So... I think he's just slowly gotten out of reach for a lot of people at the moment, and people are just focusing on sort of five eight and fullbacks now, mate. Do you owe Madison yourself? Yeah, I started with him. See, I, I think you're, I think you're shortchanging him because he's been so consistent. He's fifty percent of his games this year have been ninety plus. Three out of his six games have been ninety plus. Four out of six have been eighty six plus, and sixty two is his low. He's now got back to back weeks ninety one and ninety four. Like he just put on ninety one points against the Roosters. He's he's a special to put up 80s this week again against a bit of a weakened Canberra side. I reckon he's he should be on the top ten traded in. I just think that he should be higher up. Uh, I, I just think he can do a lot of damage elsewhere with that sort of coin, mate. That's all. Um, I know I know what you're saying, and that was the reason why I was banging on about him in the preseason. Just because with or without Moses, he's always going to he's always going to have those scores. Whereas the Ferguson and Blake so can really rely on Moses doing something that don't have much of a base, but. He has the base. Like you, you, you watch him in the game. Like you, you, you'll hardly see him at all. It just seems like he's doing nothing. And you get to half time and you think, oh god, what's he on? He's going, he's going to be on twelve or thirteen points or something. And you look up, he's on twenty eight. You just you look at this. You look at the at the FC scoreboard and go, how the hell is he on twenty eight at half time? I didn't even see him. <laughs> he just he just seems to he just seems to pop up like once once every sort of. Once every minute, minute, minute and a half, just makes one tackle, but it's just consistent throughout the whole game. Well, another Eels guy that's um, been talked about a bit, but it's on the opposite side. It's not to buy, it's to sell. Is Mitchell Moses? He, he's now dropped down to five hundred sixteen k, and he's got a hundred ve. So he's just threw down against the Roosters, his lowest score of the year at twenty six points, which actually got downgraded. I think he was at thirty at one point. A lot of people are looking now at maybe jumping off Moses and going to a Cleary or to an SJ or something. I, I'm an, an owner of Moses and I'm just going to hold him, but do you see a bounce back happening? He hasn't scored 60 plus for a month of football now, and really he's only scored 60 plus once, which is his 108 points in round two. So I see why people are getting a bit annoyed, but playing Canberra this week at Bank West and then playing the Cowboys at Bank West the week after, I am expecting a bit of a Moses resurgence. So I think that he's going to come out firing against Canberra. Yeah, I'd hold for those two games, 100%. Um, Canberra one might be a bit tougher than the, than the Cows, but it's not like he's playing sort of, um, you know, Storm, or, Storm or Roosters. No. So, um, look, when you bought him at the beginning of the season, it, like the difference between him and Cleary was Cleary had a higher floor. Um, so he was always going to sort of do well, even, even if he sort of didn't have any 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 sort of major sort of tries. Yes. With Moses, he's always been sort of 25 or 125. The reason why people bought him was because he had a great draw, but that draw is now gone because of the um, COVID, uh, uh, COVID and sort of post-COVID. So if, if you haven't sold him by now, then you're, you're fighting against... You've obviously played him against the tough opposition. You've worn the brunt of the, those sort of low, low, uh, low scores or low floors, which everyone was aware of. So now you're coming out the other side. You're just going to ride the highs again. Yep. The only other guy I'm going to mention, I'm not going to go through the numbers because I've talked up Junior Paulo about 17 times on this podcast and no one's listening. So that's fine. <laughs> He's still only 3% owned. 
Um, I've had a couple of people laugh at me when I've said, you know, he could be the pot option as one of the the top three or four front row forwards for you to keep for the end of the year. And he's gone out and scored 82 points on the weekend again. He's averaging 68 points for the season now. And he's threw up six offloads on the weekend. Still no one likes him. That's fine. I'm just going to bring him up in the context of this game, though. He's playing his old side, the Raiders, which he moved to Parramatta from. So he'll be fired up against his pack. I'm sure there'll be a heap of niggling, and I'm sure that he's going to really fire up this week against Canberra. So I expect him to have another good game. And at 560k, geez, I, I wish I had another trade because I'd be going Carrigan straight over to, to Paulo this week to play Canberra. Yeah, he looks like he did sort of three years ago when he had that long... The elephant trunk, like he goes in for a hit up like Nathan Highmarsh and he probably hits a little bit sort of harder these days. Get, or otherwise gets out the other side of attack and all of a sudden it's like Mr. Snuffle up and just mate just just has the elephant trunks to get away and before you know it they little they little pop out the back. It's always there. It's always there. Oh, he's pushing it heaps hard this year, but on the Raiders side of things, I like I just I don't see any any super coach goodness in them at the moment. So I Playing against the Eels this week, I, I I own Nick Kotrick still. I'm going to bench him because I'm going to play him against Saints next week. That's the only reason I'm not selling him. Joe Tappany and Horsburgh, they're both workers. Uh, I might play one of them this week, probably the horse at front row forward. But I just don't see any upside at the moment from this Raiders side. Can you see any semblance of super coach goodness in this Raiders side at the moment and especially to play this week? Middles go well versus the Eels, remember? So, um, so Horsberg is probably a good one. Maybe happy gets through the middle. Um, I wouldn't really bother any, with anyone else, mate. I would probably steer clear of everyone unless, unless Jack White is really, really cheap. I wouldn't bother. I'll tell you one of the things that's surprising me. Um, the top 10 most traded out. Um, George Williams is nowhere to be seen. He's got a 70 odd BE. He's up to 460k now, so he's made 130,000 for people. He's coming off a 37-point outing yep. against Manly, 55 against the Tigers. He's done his job. At 460k, you can do a really good upgrade. Like it doesn't cost you much to go to an SJ at all. I think it's about 45 grand. So I don't understand why he's not being traded out by more than more coaches for this Eels matchup. Yeah, I traded him for months this week for exact reason that you said he's up against the Eels. Um, kicks across the ground rather than goes through them, so it's not really going to get into the line break assist. Um, and yeah, um, yeah, high break even, he's done his job. I reckon 13 plus to the Eels this week. I don't think they'll put on heaps of points, so I just don't see the Raiders scoring, mate. I think that's a 26, 28, 10 type of score. I reckon the Raiders still get through for a couple. I don't think we're going to sort of smash them, but um, when you say 26, 10, uh, it's probably re- realistic. Yeah, let's let's move on to this next game, the Eagles versus Sharks. The Seagulls obviously have Tom Tremovich out, which is huge, but then they've got Walker out as well. So that's going to make a huge impact. Lachlan Croke is in at six, so that's not really going to be super coach relevant. Definitely Brendan Elliott isn't going to be super coach relevant at the number one jersey. It does mean that Tavita Funa um, moves to centre, though, uh, which could be quite interesting because he's been on the wing, but with Tafua back, he's moving into the centre spot. Aside from that, on the other side of the fence, the Sharkies have actually stayed with just the one change and the rest of the 17 the same. And that is that Fafita is actually going to start and uh, Hamlin Ueli is going to go back to the bench. 
Fafita's been incredibly disappointing, so I never would have thought in the preseason I would have said that Andrew Fafita starting again at a lower price point is going to be irrelevant for Supercoach, but he has been entirely irrelevant. The big thing sticking on the Sharks for me, Billy, is one of my number one trade targets the last few weeks has been Sean Johnson. I've spoken about it a couple of times. I haven't been able to get him in. A manly side missing um, a multitude of players, but especially without Turbo and Dylan Walker. I I see Sean Johnson as a great opportunity this week to to get him. Um, I've got him like right neck and neck with Munster because Sean Johnson plays the Titans next week as well, which I think is an added bonus. So he's only five hundred six thousand. He's got a thirty be, and he's now scored seventy five points in back to back weeks with a three round average of seventy. He just looks like he's primed to at least give you 70 points this week against the Manly side and maybe, maybe have his first Sean Johnson blow-up of the year and get a ton. Yeah, I um, I think last week was probably the week to get him, but now that you've got a couple of weeks back-to-back, there's some consistency there, so showing signs of life. Um, he did have a good score to start the year as well, so it's not like it's an anomaly. They had a few backs out to start the year as well. Yes, to start the year as well too, so... Yeah, maybe they're just finding this form. Exactly what you said too. Turbo's the only real sort of, well, not the only real threat, but the major threat removed. So, yeah, I um, have to agree with you on that, mate. Um, I, we need to talk about Sione Katoa because he went ballistic on the weekend, scored a hat-trick of tries for 107 points against the Bulldogs. And I know a few people got on him uh, about a month ago and then got really disappointed because he threw out a 24 and a 39 and just seemed to stop playing the sort of game that he was with his tackle breaks and offloads. Wasn't scoring any tries either. And now he's gone back-to-back weeks of 107 and 67 points. Means he's got a minus 16 BE, and he's around the 440k mark. But he's going to play a really dishevelled manly back line in the Gold Coast Titans. So is he somebody, Billy, that um, if he wanted to be able to start a centre wing and maybe make a hundred grand in the next couple of weeks, he might be one of those type of guys that you could look at? Oh, yeah, you could do it. I mean, um, I don't think he's the greatest player in the world, but, you know, I scored two or three tries when I played against my kids in the backyard too. And he has that type of draw. So if if you want to back someone like that for, you know, a couple of weeks and punt him, then, yeah, look, he, he's produced, he's been producing the numbers for the last couple of weeks and some very good super coaches have got on him already. So if you're not on that bandwagon and looking for a punt, it's not too late. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next two weeks he averages 70 points across those Manly and Titans games and he ends up making you $100,000 in that time. So that's the type of trade that you could do where you're going a Bradman best to him and you're getting an extra 70 points across that fortnight at least out of that trade and you're also getting an extra hundred grand out of it as well and then you can move him on. Even if you wanted to go back to Bradman best, you could. I would look at him if I had more trades. I just don't, but I like the matchups. Moving along... We mentioned the other three big cheapies this week, but the fourth big cheapie is Tavita Funa for the Manly Seagulls. He is one of the most traded in guys, um, so he is getting the cheapie love. We've currently got him at uh, the third most traded in player at the moment at 6.8%. So a lot of people are getting him in. He hasn't had the best start to his super coach career, um, but he hasn't had the worst either. There's no big scores to wear anyone, but he's got a 44 point and a 59-point game to his name. So very, very solid. Um, he's now in the centres and going to get much better base points. I've put him as a, a fourth option initially, but I'm now, after the Broncos got named, I'm putting him as the second-best option. I still like the hammer better, 
But I think Fooda's probably the second best cheapie this week to look at. Uh, he's got a minus 42 BE as well. I just don't think he's going to score well this week against the Sharkies. Yeah, I, I love him though when he steps far at centre as opposed to wing. Um, probably makes a bit of, a bit of a difference. Job security, right? I think that the the good thing is um, the reason he's been moved to centre is because of Trevojevic's injury. Because Elliot was playing centre, um, and now he's gone back to number one, and obviously Trevojevic is out for an extended period of time. So his job security looks reasonable. It looks like that he's going to get you know a few rises at least. Yeah, okay, that's good. Um, I might go back and see if I can find some stats on him in the um, in uh, lower grades, see what the work rate is like. Might, it might be an option to sort of pick him up over the hammer, but an unknown centre versus a quick guy playing at, playing at fullback that's guaranteed to stay in the team. It's kind of a hard decision. Maybe this is a week where a lot of people can just go two cheapies, but I think I think you really do need to need to fall fall go one of the cheapies and get some points. Maybe take a bit of a price a, a cash a cash hit and sort of pick him up next week. Yeah, I can understand people going for Vuna over Coates for sure. So if you already had the hammer and you need to downgrade, I think Vuna is a fine option uh, over getting Xavier Coates in. Um, that's sort of how I would look at it anyway. So this one doesn't shape up as a fantastic um, matchup. I, I see the Sharkies doing pretty well, although I thought that against the Dogs and they almost lost. I'm I'm heavily, heavily invested in trying to buy Sean Johnson this week. If not, I reckon you've got to get him by next week against the Titans. I reckon the Sharkies will do the Seagulls, though. They're outsiders at the moment. I think they're $2.35 or something like that. I, I don't see them losing against this Eagles side that looks pretty weak. Eagles looked a lot better last week, didn't they? Probably take the Sharks this week. I took the, um, had a good bet last week. I, um, I did turbo anytime try score into Manly, um, to win half time. They were paying six bucks half time, full time double. I can't see that happening this week, but I think you probably really need to take sort of, yeah, Sharks half time, full time, mate. Yeah, I reckon it's a good bet. Uh, moving on to the next game, the final game of the round, we've got the Dogs versus Tigers. Um, interesting matchup, this one. With the Dogs side, um, they've got quite a few changes. So Holland's been recalled to replace uh, Christian Crichton, who's been suspended. Conger joins the bench, um, and Nick Meaney and Aidan Tolman are named in the reserves. You'd expect Aidan Tolman's going to come in um, from that extended bench, and he's going to start. Tigers side of things, um, Tommy Talao's back on the wing. Um, Robert Jennings is injured. He's a watch as far as cheapy for next week, potentially. Oliver Clark replaces Musgrove. It looked like Musgrove owners were going to get saved last week, but then he got hurt again. And Eisenhuth replaces Twal at lock. Interesting with the Tigers changes, Billy. You know, I would normally be all over Matt Eisenhuth replacing Twal at lock for a month, it looks like. But Eisenhuth is about 460k, so he's a bit of an awkward price point. Uh... Likewise, someone pointed out to me the edge back row for the Bulldogs has been going quite well in for Tyler Marin in the last three weeks. He's played 80-plus minutes, but he's now at 411k, so a little bit out of reach um, as far as what you'd want in return. It's it's shaping up as a game where the Tigers were on fire last week, and you would surely expect them just to go on, on with it against the Bulldogs and put up a heap of points. Yeah, if you struggle, if you're struggling for, if you can't afford Nofo, this might be the week to sort of maybe have a have a crack at DJ. Maybe even the, the other the other Lulia has a crack this week. He hasn't really done much on the left hand side, but maybe he gets through the um, the the Bulldogs right edge defence. Uh, we talked about um, well, Grant's probably an obvious one. I think a couple of pods, 
Brooks and Brooks and Moses and Moe might be a couple of pods this week. And if he's still aren't doing, I think uh, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, sort of uh, breaking sort of maiden a couple of weeks and, and punching some decent scores lately. So I think he kind of goes on with it. I don't think there's any real sort of massive, apart from Nofo, I can't really see any sort of massive guaranteed upside anywhere. But I'll tell you what, there's a few good pods in there. So it's only going to be one game, but... Yeah, I mean, Nofo's an interesting one. I've seen a few people um, looking at buying him, but 650k, 102BE. Jeez, you'd be a brave man to bring him in for for this Bulldogs game and then have it followed up by Penrith and South the next couple of weeks. Yeah. He's been punching some good scores, but they've been consistent ones. They haven't been sort of really sort of like in-your-face wow ones. So uh, the only thing that's sort of appealing is the fact that he's got a high base. His tackle busting is there. He's hit up to there. And he's scoring, he's scoring decently without going over the line. But this week he's got the dog, so he could do a double or a treble in the corner and be really, really worth his weight in gold. But yeah, he's leading the NRL in tries scored at the moment. So, um, and he's actually gone the next, last two weeks without scoring one. So he's odds on favourite to get a try this week for sure. I, I don't see any way he doesn't go over the line against the dogs this week. So he's a great play. Grant's a great play as well. Um, one guy that, We've been trying to get out of our sides is Luciano Lelua, and I still have him, unfortunately. But I'm actually going to play him this week because you mentioned how easy it was against some of those edge defence of the Bulldogs for Crichton just to stroll over untouched. Luciano Lelua on the edge is a pretty damaging runner, uh, and I could actually see this being the, the Lucy resurgence this week where he actually hits his 75-odd BE and um, it doesn't lose me any money. So I'm going to play him this week. He's a little bit slower, but mate, he might <laughs> <laughs> he gets up to them. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I kept him um, to play him this week. Luckily, I think <laughs> with, all, with all the carnage, you know, you know, honestly, with all the carnage, I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise because this is this is a week where not many not many teams have big depth, and there's going to be a couple's kind of loose ends being played. So a lot of people being forced to play sort of common players. Um, so, or, or if you have to play a pod like, you know, um, like the there's not too much concern because it's not like you're going to be up against someone else with Arrow or, or Turbo. So the risk has gone out of it. So I'm, I'm glad I'm being forced to play in this league, actually. Yep. Same. I, I think I'm looking forward to this matchup. I think it'll be good for, for Lucy and Grant. I'm happy just to have a little bit of a piece of this game, but not too much. So on that note, mate, I think we're going to, we're going to be done with it. Thanks for coming back on another week. I hope you rise up the ranks again this week and your captaincy hammers it. Yeah, mate. We're trying to back up in that top few hundred again. So it's, it's extra hundred or two, extra hundred, hundred or two will be good the next couple of weeks. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll chat to you in a couple of weeks about that. Cheers, mate. All right, brother. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, um, you can download and stream and listen on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. Do subscribe on iTunes so you get our episodes as they come out straight away. Next couple of weeks are going to be big ones, especially this week. So good luck with your captaincies and everything else. Follow us on Twitter as well, though. NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars on Twitter. And until next week, good luck with your trades. Good luck with your captaincies. Go for points. Don't even worry about the money. Just reap the rewards this week. Cheers, guys.